This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Not too much to go over from last night, so I really want to dive into your tweets today. We had EJ on yesterday. Sometimes we spend a lot of time recapping the games and not enough time with you. So I want to spend this time on Game Misconduct to get to your questions, to get to your comments. The two games last night, Carolina with a 5-1 win over Dallas is... Carolina, again, getting a fair amount of shots on goal, but this time they got a chance to finish, and everybody in Carolina land can now breathe a sigh of relief as Ajo scored his first goal of the year. I'm telling you, this kid's good, and if he can get going, I think the Hurricanes are in pretty good shape, but the story was Tara Vainen, who goes out there and gets the natural hat trick. Jeff Skinner scores as well as the Hurricanes win 5-1, to one. And, and this was a shocker. Uh, the, the, the Flames winning 7-4 to over the Blues. The Blues come in tremendous goaltending, one of the best teams in the league. And this game was 2-2 after a scoreless second period going into the third. Seven goals were scored in the third period, including five by the Flames. And that really uh, just got things going as it looked like everybody contributed for the Flames, including Christopher Stieg, who ended up picking up the game-winning goal. Johnny Goudreau now quietly with seven goals on the year as the Flames pick up a 7-4 win over St. Louis. That was a bit of a surprise. And we got a slew of games to get to for tonight. But let's get to your tweets. Let's get to your comments. A lot of people want to talk about the NHL. And Jordan gets us started off. He says, hey, Don, I'll hold off on the Hawks question until you see them in person tomorrow. But something fun and different, who is the best flow in the NHL? I'm going with Eric Carlson. Well, the best flow... I guess you're talking about just, just just skating and how the ease and the finesse of the way that they play. Uh, certainly McDavid jumps into mind. Line A is a guy that I think jumps into mind as well. Matthews is kind of a loud skater, right? He just seems to have everything flailing around. But Eric Carlson, and I mean nothing to disrespect the Ottawa Senators at all, but, God, if Eric Carlson had played for the Rangers or if he had played for you know, the Montreal Canadiens, you know, a team that maybe got a little bit more pub, Toronto, uh, certainly if he had played for Pittsburgh. I think Carlson would get a lot more uh, accolades. People around the NHL realize he's the best defenseman in the league, and the guy is absolutely special. And certainly Ranger fans, uh, Penguin fans, and Boston fans, all the teams that played Ottawa in the playoffs last year can tell you, watching him every other day, how good a defenseman that he is. But maybe just a little bit of a lack of appreciation because he plays in Ottawa. Even though he plays in Canada, Ottawa and Winnipeg are probably the, the bottom teams as far as the following is concerned. Winnipeg because they're fairly new. And, you know, Ottawa's kind of wedged between Toronto and Montreal, and they've only been around for 25 years. Uh, they obviously do have a following, but not to the extent of the other Canadian teams and some of the bigger market uh, teams in the United States. But Carlson definitely would have to be up there with just a tremendous flow, just the way that he skates, the presence, he, he just glides out there. He is just a terrific player to watch. Uh, Jeremy says, hey, Don, first tweet, created this account so that I can contribute to game misconduct. I like that. Was surprised not to hear Joe Micheletti's son-in-law, Mike Madano, not mentioned for U.S.-born Mount Rushmore. Well, when, when the person that tweeted it gave his four, he had Madano in it. So Madano clearly is in it. All right, so Mike Madano, that's a lock. And then we started to debate some of the other guys, where does Chris Chelios fit, where does Pat LaFontaine fit. So, no, it is just assumed that Mike Madano is going to be 
in that uh, Mount Rushmore for the greatest American-born players. I think Brian Leach has to be there as well. I mean, you got to have the defense represented. I mean, who's uh, Chelios and Leach are two of the best defensemen. So it's just a matter of who you wanted to go with first. Do you go with Chelios because of the longevity? Do you go with uh, Leach because of just the pure skill and ability on the offensive side and the fact that he won the Conn Smythe? You know, people forget that. In 94, when the Rangers won their first cup and they slayed the Dragon and they ended the 54-year curse, Brian Leach was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, not Mark Messier. You know, So Mark Messier looks as the guy that slayed the Dragon, and certainly being the captain of that team and coming over was a huge difference maker. But I think sometimes people forget that Brian Leach was the MVP of the greatest movement in Rangers history, so we can have a lot of fun there. Uh, John says, would you ever consider changing the name to Ice Chips? No, I'm not going to change it to Ice Chips. I'm not going to give Michael K. the credit for that. Uh, Jeff says, hey, Don, has Dubnik got his groove back? Could his slow start be attributed to the Wild only having two games a week for the first three weeks? Two things on Dubnik. First of all, I think the bloom is a little bit off the rose. Um, I don't think he was going to play the way he played last year. But watching the Wild and talking to people around the Wild, a lot of fluky goals. So I don't know if really the goals that he gave up were him or just a lot of bad luck. And, yes, I do think he found his groove. Got to watch a lot of that Montreal game in which he pitched the shutout, and I think he is uh, definitely coming along. And that could be a world of difference for the Wild. Because we've talked about Minnesota before. This is not a team that's going to blow your doors off offensively even though they're getting tremendous contributions from Zucker, who scored like a million goals in the last couple of weeks. But that's a team that's going to do with defense and goaltending, and it's nice to see that uh, Dubnik seems to be back on track. Sam Diaz, Rangers are on a nice streak and seem to be firing on all cylinders, but what position do you think they need to strengthen for sustained success? Center. Center's where it's at. And so far, Zabanajad has played very well. I like Bunyebez back from the flu and what he can do on that fourth-line center. But if you want to strengthen anything, certainly the blue line, and you hope that eventually Smith finds his way back into the lineup. But Kempfer is playing so well that it makes it difficult to make that change, especially when we're in the midst of a winning streak. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But certainly strengthening up the middle is where it's all at in the National Hockey League. You look at the deficiencies Edmonton has. They're in every single game because the one place they're not deficient in is at the center position. If I want to be weak somewhere, make me weak at the wings, not at center, because my centers will make those weak wings a little better. My great wingers can't make a center better. So that's why, and I just had a lot of rhymes there, which I thought was interesting. Maybe they can make that into a wrap. Back to the Smith situation, okay? And I've heard a lot of chatter in some of the Ranger chat rooms and on Twitter about Smith. There may have been issues with Smith in the beginning of the season. There were rumors that he was not 100% as far as his conditioning was concerned, and he was kind of behind the eight ball coming out of camp. And he certainly didn't play well, and he ended up getting benched for Kemper. Um, This this is not a long-term issue. I mean, they gave Smith a contract because they like him. But right now, you're betwixt and between because you put Kemper in there, you're in the midst of a six-game winning streak. Why would you mess with that? Coaches do not have an appetite of making a lot of significant changes in the midst of the best run the team has had all season long. So at some point, Kemper is going to come back down to earth, and it's going to give Smith a chance to jump in there and play and prove that he belongs. Smith will be the long-term answer to this team, but it's a tough tough combination for Smith. All right, He wasn't playing well. Kemper jumps in the lineup. They've won six in a row. So whether it's the next loss, the next injury, Smith is going to be back in there, and he eventually is going to get that opportunity. 
to play. Uh, Emmett says, don't know if you are still on the all-time U.S.-born team. Listen, we never get off any subject here on Game Misconduct. Uh, question may be in the minority, but I have Chelios and Housley with the line of Roenick, Hull, Mullen with Beezer in the Nets. Leach and Madano would be my second team. Um, who is your Mount Rushmore of New York Rangers? And he says, uh, game misconduct, this is the best place to get your hockey fix. Well, thank you, Emmett. I appreciate that. Housley was great. Big Phil Housley fan. It's killing me, and it's killing my guy, RJ, that Buffalo is struggling so much. But I've always loved Housley. Um, not sure I put him on the same plane as Leach uh, and Chelios. Uh, they're all Hall of Famers, and somebody's got to be on that second team, so I would probably put Housley there. Um, bees are between the nets. Very good longevity. Maybe you give him the edge over a Richter. Barrasso won more rings, so maybe Tom Barrasso goes in there. And even though he didn't win a championship, Ryan Miller definitely deserves consideration for the goaltender, too. He's always done very well internationally. Probably should have won a cup of the Buffalo Sabres, but just, you know, that game seven against Carolina in 06 is always going to stick in everybody's craw, and it certainly wasn't his fault. But uh, Ryan Miller certainly deserves consideration. As far as the Mount Rushmore of Rangers, so difficult because you can go back to, you know, the, the, the early Rangers uh, with some of the guys that played on those teams. But you look at the retired numbers, right? I guess you would start with there. Um, does Jockerman go before Richter? Jockerman uh, certainly is a Hall of Famer. Richter isn't. Richter did win the one cup, so does that put him uh, above everybody else? That's a difficult. St- oh, man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can put Mike Richter over um, over Jockerman. So I, I would put Jockerman on that list. You got to put Mark Messier on the list. You got to put Brian Leach on the list as well. And there's where it becomes dicey. I mean, there's Bathgate. There's uh, Gilbert. Uh, you can go, uh, since I already have a defenseman in Leach, uh, I am going to go, wow, you got Jean Rattel who's going to get his number retired, number 19, going to be retired in February with the Rangers. All right, I'm going to go Messier, certainly, because he didn't spend his whole career here, but he's had such an impact to the Rangers. I'm going to go Rod Gilbert, Brian Leach, Eddie Jockman. And that's because I just think that you want to have all the positions represented, so... Uh, obviously, Ranger fans can get on me for that at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Uh, Ken G says, do you think the Rangers will make a trade for a top scorer or sit tight and be patient with the young kids? Well, they're going to be forced to be patient because Duchesne was the one big gun they could have acquired, right? And I'm not getting any indication from anybody they were in on that. I heard the Blue Jackets were in on that and certainly the teams with Nashville um, and Ottawa making that trade for Duchesne. So Duchesne off the table. They're going to sit pat. They're going to see if their kids play. I don't know if Anderson eventually is going to get a look. I don't know if Heedle's going to come back up. Uh, Nieves is already up now. Um, at the deadline, they'll make a deal. They always seem to make a deal. But as far as the significance of the deal, you're not trading for a top center. That's just not going to happen. You may get a center. You might get a Vermet just to help you win face-offs. You might find some sort of a maintenance deal when the trading deadline comes. But as far as a significant blockbuster trade, Uh, I find that difficult to believe. Ricky Cook says, as we approach the quarter pole of the season, which clubs are the sleeping giants that just haven't found their groove yet and need to be considered dangerous teams as we head into the remaining three-fourths of the season? Of course, the Rangers are finding theirs. Rangers, 
Uh, Washington, who's been very, very average, I think they're going to get better and they're going to start to emerge as a team that could be very dangerous. I think Chicago is eventually going to find their groove. I still think Nashville can be a better team. And the team that I really circle to answer your question, when they begin to get healthy, I still think Anaheim is a player. I do. I mean, they went to the Final Four last year. They just decimated with injuries right now. If that team can get healthy, I think they would be the team that I would circle as a very dangerous animal getting later in the season. Jake says, hey, Dom, if you had to remove change or add one thing from to the NHL, what would it be? I'd remove the shootout. I'm tired of the shootout. I'm so glad three-on-three has worked because we've gone to less shootouts. But I'm telling you, the league's all wet on this. And I've talked to Gary Bettman. I've talked to Bob Daly, uh, Bill Daly. I've talked to many people around the league. They're all fooled into believing that the shootout is great. And they say the same thing all the time. Listen to the building. When they announce after overtime is over, we're going to the shootout, the, the, the building erupts. You could play three-card Monty to decide who gets the extra point. The crowd's going to erupt. They're erupting because now the game is on the line, and that doesn't mean that they appreciate or love how it's on the line. Three-on-three is spectacular hockey. I would try to find a way to extend overtime. If you can play ten minutes of three-on-three, even seven or eight minutes of three-on-three, I think the ice would hold up. And you'd have less and less shootouts, and then maybe you'd go to a handful a year, and then you'd appreciate the shootout more. I like three-on-three, but I'm telling you, if you're a hockey fan, when that clock zeroes out in the three-on-three, you're disappointed because you want to see more of it. Now, David says, would you trade Kreider and Heedle for Golchenyuk? No. I like Golchenyuk a lot, but you're giving up a prospect in Heedle. Kreider is... I understand why Ranger fans want to lose him because he's so frustrating sometimes because he could be so good one night and disappear the next. I like Galchenyuk a lot. I don't think I make that deal. Uh, Kevin says the Devils have Johansson and Zajac coming back in the coming weeks. The Devils team is rolling. Who do you sit, send down? Good question. i got to take a look at their forwards. Well, you look at the centers that they have. Boyle's not going anywhere. Henrique's not going anywhere. Heischer's not going anywhere. McLeod's already not playing. Uh, Zaka's got to stay. So if I had to look at a guy that would lose playing time, it would probably be Blake Coleman. Now, is there somebody else from the wing that you can maybe sit down? Uh, Nason is somebody that maybe Stafford's playing too well. Wood's playing too well. I mean, that that, that would be my guess. If I had to say who is going to lose some playing time, it would probably be Coleman, which is kind of a shame because he's played well. Really, everybody has played well for the Devils, which is a bit of a surprise. So, Zajac, that might be. I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can get somebody on from the Devils when that actually becomes a reality and see if there's a chance that um, they'll be able to tell us who will actually sit when that happens. Uh, Vincent says, uh, Don, love the show. Will the NHL ever return to white jerseys at home? Uh, miss the pre-lockout tradition. Yeah, it's weird because just the year before the lockouts when they went to the switch, and everybody assumed when they came out of the lockout that they were going to go back. It is an ode to the early days of hockey, the original six, when you wore the colored uniforms in the home games, and, and that's what the NHL is looking to do. Here's why I disagree with it. You know what your team looks like, right? You don't have to appreciate the colors of your team because you know them. You want to appreciate the colors of the other team when they come to town. So everybody ends up looking the same because the visitors all come in in white. The idea is you wear white, so the visitors come in 
proudly donning the colors of their team. So when the Blackhawks come in, you see red. When the Capitals come in, you see blue. When the Canucks come in, you see uh, the, their colors, uh, the, the teal and the, for the Sharks and all that. And, and you lose that because now every team really kind of looks the same. So uh, I don't know if the league has any traction on trying to change that, but I'm with you. I'd like to go back to the old days. Uh, Michael says, your five players who get in the Hall of Fame next year, I got Zuboff in mind. I'd have to take a look and see who is eligible, but uh, there's no question that Sergei Zuboff belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, David says, how many of the NHL outdoor games have you personally been to? Which venue did you like the most of the outdoor games, and which kind of stadium, baseball, or football do you prefer for outdoor hockey? Well, I prefer the football just because it kind of fits better, right, so that everybody can be surrounding the rink. Baseball, it's a little bit different. It makes some of the areas of the stadium not as accessible and viewable to the ice. I went to Citizens Bank and covered at ice level when the Rangers played the Flyers in the – the Winter Classic, I believe that was in uh, 2012. Uh, and then I did cover both Stadium Series games when the Rangers played the Islanders and the Devils at Yankee Stadium. Um, obviously, Yankee Stadium, has, even though it's not the old Yankee Stadium, uh, there was a little bit more, I think, of an intimacy. And, and, and it was so cold that the atmosphere seemed to be uh, a little bit better, just having it be in New York. But I thought Philadelphia did a great job as well. And I went to... The Capitals, well, here's here's what I did. I didn't stay for the game in, at Heinz Field. I covered it for the NHL on NHL Live, me and EJ, um, but I had to come back because I had to do a Jets game. So I was there for all of the pre-festivities. I was there for the alumni game at Heinz Field uh, for the Penguins and the Capitals. Um, so but I didn't stay for the actual game on Sunday, but I saw the alumni game. If you, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see I got a lot of great pictures of, of that alumni game and, and to see Lemieux. And so I got to see the rink and, and hang around there. Um, there's actually a picture of me dancing in the upper deck doing a stand-up at Heinz Field. I don't know if RJ can find that and put it on uh, social media. It's somewhere out there on the vine that you could probably find it. But I thought Pittsburgh did a great job, and Heinz Field was a terrific place. So if I had a choice between football or baseball, I would pick football. Uh, U.S. Hockey best. He's the one that got us started with all of the uh, the uh, American-born guys in Mount Rushmore. Uh, he says, Don, do you think that Wayne Gretzky could dominate in the era of hockey play today? Absolutely. There's less clutching and grabbing. There's less physicality that would give Wayne all kinds of room and all kinds of ways to anticipate where the puck is going to go. I think Gretzky would be absolutely amazing. Vladimir says, hey, Don, I'm a Brooklyn-born Puerto Rican and diehard Ranger fan. Do you know what Bunieves nationality is? It's a great question. i, I got to find that out. That's a great question. I'm kind of curious about it myself. His name would suggest he might be uh, Latino. I'm going to try to find that out, Vladimir, and I'm going to try to get an answer for you in short order. So pay attention. I am going to do everything I can to try to get the answer uh, for you. Um, Butch uh, is the answer. I guess talking about Butch Nevich. Uh, do you like the shootout? I think I just explained how I hate it. <laughs> Colin says, listen to the podcast from Australia, San Jose taken to the uh, cleaners by Tampa, but outside of that, six wins out of seven, including a come-from-behind win in L.A. Are you leaning towards them being a playoff team yet? I'm starting to. I didn't have them in the playoffs this year. 
But Thornton's played well. Pavelski's played well. Logan Couture has been great. You know Jones is good. They survived the injury to Martin. Uh, they really survived, I think, Brett Burns being on a little bit of a slower start. But uh, um, I think um, Tomas Hurdle has been terrific for them. Uh, this kid Heed uh, has has contributed. I like the Sharks a lot. I'm starting to change my mind on them. And don't feel bad at what happened against Tampa. Tampa's beaten everybody, it seems like. Uh, Brad says, hey, Don LaGreca, since the Blues were one of only four teams to play Monday night, could you please spend a good amount of time on them Tuesday? You know, just treat them like you always do the Rangers on a normal game misconduct podcast. Ah, oh, see, he's taking a shot at me. I'm sorry, Brad. I read the tweets from people, and we spend a lot of time on the Rangers because a lot of people ask me questions about the Rangers because I cover the Rangers. So don't be sarcastic, but obviously they did play, and I, I, I mentioned them. I don't know what the heck happened. I've had them in my top five teams. I think they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Certainly it got away from them in the third period last night against the Flames, but overall they have been terrific. I've talked about Jaden Swartz and how he sees having a tremendous season. You know Tarasenko is a terrific player, and again, the goaltending has been great, but I will try to talk as much about the Blues as I can, and I have a feeling we'll be talking a lot about the Blues come playoff time because I think that's a team that just built uh, to make a run. But, hey, just a message to everybody, not that I have to apologize for anything, but this is a podcast for you. And I do spend a lot of time on the Rangers because we got a lot of Ranger fans. We do emanate from New York, and I do work for the Rangers, so that means a lot of people are going to ask me questions. But that's why I try to spend as much time on on the uh, tweets as possible because I want to be able to talk about all the other teams. I love all the other teams. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the league. I'm a fan of all the teams. So I want to be able to talk about all the teams. But I also want to I want to read all the tweets that I can. And if it means it's more geared towards the Rangers, I'm not going to not answer those questions. So Brad, I'll try to do a better job giving you more complete coverage. Far says if Dallas can get some consistency, do you see them catching fire and going on a serious run? What are your thoughts on their D? Well, I just think they're top heavy. You know, we've talked about that before. We talked about it with EJ earlier in the week. You know, it's a one-line team. It kind of reminds me of Edmonton where it just seems like everything is coming from one place and and you would like to get I think a little bit better production out of the blue line to be able to get solid production from your blue line. I think that's very important. Everybody's going to have to be able to contribute in some way, shape, or form. And you look at the good teams, and this Ranger team's been on a run. Why? Because they're getting goals from their blue line. The Devils have surprised people. Why? Because Butcher's among the leaders in in scoring uh, on the blue line. You know, these are the guys that are going to get you the best possible traction as far as creating uh, points offensively. And you, and you take a look at um, uh, Lindell's been very good uh, for Dallas. I like the addition of Mathot. Uh, Ham use, I liked him in Vancouver. They've got nice defensemen. Would you want some more production out of them? I think you want more production out of everybody because I just think that team seems a, just a tad bit top-heavy for me. But can they go on a run? I had them going to the playoffs this year, so I certainly hope they can go on a run. Slappy says, there's nothing better than scrolling Twitter while listening to Don LeGrec on Game is Conduct podcast. If you're a hockey fan, this is a must-listen. Thank you, Slappy. I appreciate that. Uh, John says, oh, actually, he's got a few tweets here. Oh, my God, John. You've got four of them. All right, let's start with the first one. 
You have been giving short shrift to Ray Bork in your best defenseman conversations. Lidstrom may have two more Norris trophies, but he didn't win one until Bork was out of the league. Bork finished second six times, Lidstrom three. Bork also won the Calder and finished second for Hart twice. One of those he should have won over Messier, but one voter left him off his ballot. Lidstrom never higher than fourth. Points scored isn't even close. The things Ray Bork did on the ice were inhuman, but everyone seems to forget him. There is no doubt in my mind he is the second-best defenseman ever. I chalk up the Lidstrom talk to um, to Bias, who was Lidstrom's competition for the Norris. Bork played against Chris Chelios, Paul Coffey. I... I understand what you're saying, and I don't want to leave any short shrift to Ray Bork. Ray Bork was amazing, okay? Ray Bork, yeah, he owned the Norris. But don't throw points out of it, all right? Because Bork played in a league in the 80s where offense was very easy to come by. That's why, you know, you mentioned Paul Coffey, Chris Chelios, all those guys played scored north of 50 points because that's the way the league was. Lidstrom played in the dead puck era. Now you could say, well, he played in the dead puck era, so it was easier to play defense, but it was also very difficult for him to be able to produce offensively the way Bork could. So I would take the scoring out of it. You make a great point. I mean, I just I put Nicholas Lidstrom because I wanted some reputation, uh, representation of the modern era, and I think Nick played a long time. He played on a lot of great teams. Um, not that Ray Borg, it's his fault that he had to go to Colorado win the Cup, but you can go either or, man, either or. I don't think there's a wrong answer to it. That's why these debates are so much fun to have because I just think that it's – it, it's so difficult to compare eras, so I don't. Th- I think you throw the stats out the window. I will say this: um, Paul Coffey thought offense, so I think that I would never put Paul Coffey in that conversation because I don't think he was ever a shutdown guy. He was a guy that just always thought offense, and he was on one of those teams where by accident you're going to get points because you're going to touch the puck. And I never saw a defenseman rush the ice like Paul Coffey could, but could he play D like Bork and Lidstrom? Both, both are very comparable. They own the Norris Trophy. And when you look at competition for Lidstrom, uh, he had a fair amount of competition. But, no, you make a great point. And um, I don't think there's any right or wrong answers to it. That's why we have debate. And I wish Mount Rushmore had ten presidents instead of four so we'd be able to have a little bit more fun uh, talking about it. But, you know, you're talking about the four best players in the history of the league. And you're talking about having to add a defenseman among the best. And certainly Bobby Orr is going to be there. So uh, it's just a matter of who else you're going to stick on there. But Ray Bork, fabulous player, no question about it. Longevity, um, all those years in Boston, all those years just trying to bang on the door, trying to figure out a way to beat Edmonton and how difficult that was to do. Now I'm a Ray Bork guy, so I don't think it's any bias. It's just that somebody's got to be outside. Pittsburgh at 7 o'clock, a couple of 7.30s with the Canadians and the Blue Jackets. Very interesting to see this one. I'll be in Columbus on Friday for the Blue Jackets game. I've seen a lot of Columbus lately, and Montreal seems like they're turning the corner. They've got a chance to get back to NHL 500 tonight. Stars and the Flames, so a chance to see them against a Florida team that just gives up way too many goals, although with the Luongo between the pipes, it's been better. Uh, 8 o'clock tonight, Capitals and Predators from Nashville. That's going to be on NBC Sportsnet. That's a good one. Wild home for the Flyers. I, I expect more from Philadelphia. I really do, and we'll see. Uh, if the Wild have turned the corner. Uh, the second of the home-and-home home between the Coyotes and the Jets, very quietly the Jets playing tremendous hockey at 9-4-3, and three, and is there just a worse story than the Coyotes there in every game that they play, and they just can't seem to find a way to win, just two wins so far. 
in their first 19 games of the season. Uh, but I'll say this, Keller is just having a tremendous season. Looks like the odds-on favorite to win uh, the rookie of the year. Somebody had asked me about who I think some of the better rookies are. Butcher's in the conversation. Uh, certainly Keller has to be in the conversation as well as one of the best rookies. I think, believe he's got 11 goals. Uh, Golden Knights finally uh, uh, back home again after a win the other night. They're 10-5-1. and They'll take on an Oilers team that's back from that eastern swing in which they were able to pick up five points. And at 10.30 tonight, the Kings and the Canucks. Kings kind of reeling a little bit after blowing that lead against San Jose the other night. They had a one-goal uh, lead going to the third, end up losing the game 2-1. to one, And the Canucks kind of coming back down to earth at 8-7-2. and two. So we'll be back with you again tomorrow. So load up the tweets, man. I love being able to answer your questions at Don LeGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So we'll be back with you again tomorrow. We're going to get a guest from the NHL Network as well. And, of course, we want to dive a little bit deeper uh, into the games from last night. So hopefully everybody had a great time. And also congratulations to everybody in Toronto being inducted into the Hall of Fame. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. And uh, a couple of people mentioned that maybe the NHL should shut down the day that they have the induction ceremony. They definitely limited the game to just two, and none of the two, well, one of them, Calgary, was a Canadian team, but it was out west. So, uh, But if you're only going to play one or two games, why not just play no games and so people can kind of focus on the ceremonies. But, you know, Paul Correa, Timu Solani, certainly deserving. Dave Anderchuk deserving. And, of course, always a special place in my heart for Dave Strader, who belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the only regret is he wasn't alive to see it, but uh, clearly one of the best in the business nationally and locally. So certainly it's good to see that Dave has got his rightful place in the Hockey Hall of Fame going in with the Foster Hewitt Award. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Congratulations to the inductees, and we'll see you again tomorrow. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. And worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.